0: going today guys i'm back here live in the studio once again today's thursday april 16th 2020 i'm joined once again by kyle thacker kyle say what's up to the people how's it going everybody Hey, we got a jam-packed podcast for y'all. The draft is next Thursday, finally. We have something to look forward to in the sports world. Um, I would say we have the horse shooting competition to watch tonight. Again, the the semifinals and the final, but I actually have some paint drying in the corner that I need to watch. So uh, probably won't be getting around to that tonight. Also, um, figured I was going to start things off here with Dak Prescott and how he uh, chose to have a party during quarantine. But I mean, who really gives a shit about what Dak Prescott's decision making is? It's his birthday. Let him have some fun. Like the
1: sky is falling.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, like I, he's he's now no longer worth a worth a max con. You know, he's not even. I wouldn't even give him twenty three million now because he doesn't abide by the rules of COVID-19 I mean it's absolutely ridiculous that's how every talk show is leading in that's why I had to lead in with that today so I could just be like everyone else but anyway um kind of a sad moment Vince Carter would have played his last game of his NBA career last night unfortunately that didn't get to happen maybe it will get to happen here in the next couple of weeks if we're able to figure something out but figure there'd be no better way to start out than your favorite Vince Carter moment what's yours Kyle So mine's absolutely when he won a slam dunk contest.
1: Um, Some of the best dunks that I've ever seen uh, from a guy that has probably the best hops in NBA history. Um, You know, you you might be able to say people, there's players that can jump as high as him, but no one can jump higher than Vince Carter at his prime. And there's something about when he stuck his whole arm in the daggum. dip. And just stared at everybody. Let it hang there for a second. Just relished. It was awesome. So VC is gonna be missed. I loved watching him play. He was electric. So, uh, but yeah, that's my that's my favorite VC moment.
0: Yeah, the best part about that honey dip was when he got after he did. He was going. It's over. It's yeah. over. It's <laughs> over. He's telling him just to end it. Change the channel.
1: People leave the stadium already. Yeah,
0: he's telling him to shut the lights off. Pack it up. But, um, no, I mean, that's a legendary dunk contest. Vince Carter is probably one of the greatest dunkers ever. I'll never forget when he's in the playoffs in Memphis. I think they were playing, like, San Antonio in the first round. And he threw one, absolutely, I think he just slammed all over LaMarcus Aldridge. And he did, like, the, um, he started, I can't, what's it called? Like crank he, that. Yeah, he did the crank that. <laughs> crank <laughs> that. And he said, and I still got five more years. That was in, like, 2017. So he almost made it five more. I'm assuming yeah. right now. But my favorite VC moment of all time I mean, he has the greatest dunk in basketball, in the history of all basketball. I don't care what anybody says, but this is the greatest dunk ever when he jumped over that dude in the Olympics. I mean, he straight up jumped over someone and dunked it. There is nothing more disrespectful. There's no humanly possible way anybody can do something better than that when it comes to dunking. Uh, and the guy to throw the ball at him, was up there with that one, but I think it's got to be that. But anyway, on to some real stuff here. So Christian McCaffrey on Tuesday became the highest paid running back in the NFL um he, it's about 16 million dollars a year for over for 4 years so he's definitely getting paid uh, do you think C-Mac deserved to be the top paid back and is it a good contract so
1: that's a two part question i think there's two different answers for that um you know like i've already said before i'm a cowboys fan so i know what it's like to you know root for a team that has a high paid Running back. Um, I think Zeke is now the third highest paid running back in the NFL. Um, and when you have a top five talent at any position, it's hard to let that player walk. Um, C Mac's time came and he got paid. And yes, I think it was a good move because I believe he's the best running back in the NFL. I think he's the most productive back in the NFL. And if, if he is a part of Rule's system correctly. Like, if he can, you know, if Rule can put him where he needs to be, McCaffrey can, I mean, he can win MVP. Like, I mean, Teddy Bridgewater, I think, is going to be, like, kind of a good pair with him because Bridgewater is not a guy that's going to chunk it down the field when he doesn't have anything. Like, he's going to give McCaffrey his touches. So I think they'll work well together, and I think that, Rule kind of came in wanting to, you know, franchise, like, kind of franchise the running back, basically, find his best player and make him the face of the franchise, and
0: that's what he did, and I respect it, because I think he's an absolute baller. Yeah, um, I agree with you, I think that he absolutely deserved it, I mean, he's... The, definitely the most dynamic back in the entire NFL. I mean, I would say he's probably the best patch the pass-catching back we've ever seen to play the game. And the way that he runs the ball, really, too, like he doesn't take hits like that. So if I were to have to pay him, the only two running backs I'd pay this kind of money to is him and Derrick Henry. They're the only two I could, like, feasibly do that with. Um, I would. I love the contract, especially because you know, like, let's say he keeps getting hurt, he can line him up in the slot, and he can be just as efficient as a wide receiver. So he's a, he's definitely a gadget player and can do everything. He's more than you know. He's more than just a running back. And there's not a lot of running backs in the league who can carry the ball and touch the ball as much as he does like that. And he's also a workhorse too. Had no major leg injuries, so I think it's a good deal for those reasons. But I mean, on top of what you said with Bridgewater. <coughs> Look at Joe Brady. When he was with the Saints, Alvin Kamara, I mean, he went off catching the ball. You you think he had eighty catches or it was almost or something like that. Oh, you look yeah, at you're right. you look at Clive Edwards Solaire too in that in that LSU offense, tore teams up catching the ball. He's gonna do the exact same things with C Mac and I think the Panthers have a decent offense. It's just the defense is going to be atrocious. I mean, they lost yeah. they've lost pretty much over the last two years nine of their teams. 12 or 11 top tacklers. So, I mean, it's they're, they're, they're going to be brutal on the defensive side, but I think offensively they'll be fine. Yeah. Um. Next, it's with, the, like I said, with the draft coming up. Promise y'all next week we're going to have a lot of draft podcasts, a lot of discussions about the top players of each position, a lot of discussions about player versus player. But kind of, you know, there's going to be some crazy things that'll happen in this first round. And I feel like, especially because there's no real sporting events going on, there's a lot of speculating and, you know, a lot of you know, overreacting and stuff to things in the draft. But I really think that we have a solid three predictions here each that will happen in the first round. And I'll go ahead and start us off here. And my first one, I see five-plus wide receivers going in the first round. This is probably one of the best offensive drafts we've seen from the offensive lineman, the receiver, the running back standpoint. And I think we'll see five go. I can already assure you guys that we will see the names of Jerry Judy, um, Justin Jefferson, Henry Ruggs III and um, and see C, yeah, C D Lamb called in the top 15, 17. I predict those guys will not be on the board when they get to the 20s. Then we could also see Lavisca Shelnut, Denzel Mims, T Higgins, maybe even a few other guys no one's thinking about. I think one of those guys for sure goes because once you get to the 20 to 32 range, you're dealing with playoff teams, and a lot of those playoff teams, you know, they're just looking for like a wide receiver or something like that to plug in one more piece they need. Like. I mean T. Higgins with Baltimore to go with with Marquise Brown. Brown, I mean, look pretty good. Yeah,
1: uh, dude, I, I really think people are sleeping on T. Higgins. He reminds me of. DeAndre Hopkins when he was at Clemson. Mm-hmm. They are both, you know, big physical wide receivers. Even Mike and, Williams, you know. Yeah, same deal. I mean, dude, Clemson is pumping out these physical wide receivers, man, and it's crazy. No, they
0: honestly are wide receiver you. Like, they even had uh, Dion Kane on the Colts last year. They have Sammy Watkins in the NFL. I know I'm forgetting about a few others, but if you think about it, like, Clemson is pumping out these NFL-ready wide receivers like it's nothing. Hell, uh,
1: what's his face for the Raiders? Is getting playing time? Oh, uh, Renfro, yeah, yeah <laughs> in the
0: slot. I can't, how can we even forget about him? You know, like there's tons of Clemson offensive players in the league now.
1: Yeah, so uh, yeah, I like that take. Um, I also think this is a very deep wide receiver draft. Um, something I would like to point out is I think that the eagles will move up in the draft um howie roseman's really proved to be an aggressive guy and really doesn't think about the repercussions if something doesn't pan out you know i i've i'm sure a lot of you have seen the reports about you know he's obsessed with cd lamb at this point and how he will he just can't get over him and you know, that kind of rings true with what I think about Howie Roseman. He's kind of a all-or-nothing guy, and I mean, the organization's really been modeled after that mantra, so we'll, uh, we'll see, but with Alshon Jeffrey and Nelson Aguilar being off the Eagles now, and they really need a wide receiver, uh, I think it could definitely happen.
0: Yeah, no, I think the Eagles definitely need a wide receiver, and we saw with all the injuries they had last year how much they needed a wide receiver. Although if I'm the Eagles, I would sit on my pick. You know, I really think that I can get T. Higgins or Laviska Shellnut or, you know, any of these, even Denzel Mims. I think all those guys will be there. Yeah, the Eagles have to come give up
1: more. a lot. But, I, I wouldn't like the trade. I just know Howie Roseman and how he is, and he's aggressive with like and doesn't and doesn't think about the consequences. Mm-hmm. So. We'll see. Yeah, I was doing a
0: lot of draft work, actually, like, looking through notes and just looking at a lot of stuff, and I even, honestly, I completely forgot until today T Higgins was in the draft. That's how much he's flying under the radar right, right now, yeah, how yeah. good he is. That's, that's unbelievable to me. He could fly under the radar. He like, could. they don't even talk. I've watched NFL Live every single day this week. They haven't said a word about T Higgins, and I mean, he could, I, I mean, if you, if, I could see him being the best wide receiver in this class. That's how good he is. Yeah, imagine him in a different draft
1: class with a, you know, not a loaded wide receiver class. He could be the first wide receiver.
0: Yeah, even last year. Like, that's the craziest thing about how stacked this draft is. I mean, even these running backs, too. I think there's probably five, six running backs this year I would consider taking over Josh Jacobs, who went first last year. So, yeah, yeah, it's just a loaded offensive draft. Um, And number two, my number two statement I have to make is Justin Herbert will go in the top five. Someone will trade up for him. I honestly think the Dolphins and that the Chargers are both in on Herbert, and that's who they want as their quarterback. Don't get me wrong, I think Tua is the best quarterback out of all three of these guys. I think Herbert's that guy, you know, he's that Blaine Gabbert, he's that um, Mitch Trubisky when you're just overlooking the obvious talent with Tua because of a couple injury questions. I mean, it's freaking football. Anybody can get slammed to the ground by a defensive end and get hurt, I mean... It's ridiculous just because Tua got hurt twice in college. I mean, Deshaun Watson tore his ACL when he was in college, and that's another reason, honestly, why he fell down the board. and Look how he's doing. I think Tua, if anything, is better off in the NFL because the NFL you can't really hit these quarterbacks, and we see people barely fall on quarterbacks and get pass interference. But Herbert, I think, will go in the top five. I mean, we've heard so much commotion about him, everybody's in on him. I mean, I think that I think the Chargers or the um. I think the Chargers or the Dolphins might trade up for him and honestly if the Redskins don't trade that number 2 pick like we talked about on last podcast I mean I could even see the Lions trading at number 3 both those teams need so many players I think if the if Chase Young's off the board which he will be if the Redskins use that pick that the Lions will trade that pick cuz realistically if they need secondary help they can get Jeff they can get Okuda or CJ Henderson at the 5 or 6 pick you know so I could easily see both those teams trade I could see the Lions giving up that draft pick to trade with those teams
1: yeah, um, it could be possible. I don't See, I don't really see why the Dolphins would trade up because I don't think anyone thinks the Giants are taking a QB at four. Um, and unless the Lions are going to go ahead and start their rebuild and go for a quarterback, I don't see why the Dolphins would trade up because then they could just get him at five. But the Chargers, it would make a lot of sense for them to trade up to hop the Dolphins because then they could get their guy before the Dolphins can get their pick. But I think that uh, if anything, this about Tua, this whole injury. In my opinion, it shows that he can. I mean, he's an elite athlete, and he's been able to overcome this injury much quicker than anyone expected. Mm-hmm. Like this was supposed to be like a like a six to nine month, like basically nine months till he was game ready, yeah. and this man's already doing like like full speed drills, and so I mean, it's pretty impressive. So I. I understand the injury issues, but I think the a player's ability to overcome an injury, especially at this point, says a lot more. So, but uh, the second thing that I would like to point out that I I'm expecting for this draft is I think that there will be no uh, there will be no position drafted more than an offensive tackle. We've seen the the trends growing as. Far as far
0: Wait for as, the first round or the whole draft?
1: No, uh, for the oh for the first round. Okay, far, okay.
0: Yeah, first round.
1: Um, so I think that uh, we've seen the trends as far as the importance on protecting the quarterback, and you really need athletes on that outside in order to really stop these speed rushers that are in the NFL now. I mean, I'm um, pretty much any dominant t- defense has a guy coming around on the edge that you need to be able to protect your quarterback from. So I think offensive tackle is going. There may be upwards of six, seven guys drafted in the first
0: round at offensive tackle. Yeah, I could definitely see that one. I mean, when we both did our mocks, we already had so many offensive linemen going in the first few picks. Um, I'd say it's between wide receiver and between offensive lineman. I think there could be a lot of wide receivers that go in the first round of this draft as well. It's also kind of funny too that there's not really any tight ends that are being remembered to go in the first round like last year there was those tight everyone's going crazy over the tight ends this year there's not really but yeah, you know, I think I think it's between offensive lineman and wide receiver. So those will probably be the two highest draft or most drafted positions in the First round. Um, my third one here is there will be over, there if you could set an over under, let's say four and a half is which what I picked for this podcast. I'd say there'd be over four and a half um, trades in the first round. I mean, you used to link the Eagles to a trade. I just link the Chargers and the Dolphins to possible trades. I wouldn't be surprised if the Steelers maybe try to get in here to get a quarterback. Um, I've been hearing rumors all, I mean, even Dimitrov said it. That he that he's considering trading up, and rumors have been buzzing the last couple of days. The Falcons are going to trade up. Falcons need a cornerback. They're going to go get probably get C.J. Henderson, who's supposed to go in the top ten now, top twelve. He's supposed to not be there when we pick, so. There's a lot of teams here that could trade up, and I think we'll see a ton of trades in the first round. Even in like the 18 to 20 picks, there'll be people who drop down the board. You know, you'll see teams like when the Saints traded up for Marcus Davenport. You know, or there'll be teams who trade back in to get Jordan Love. So
1: yeah, no, and I was going to touch on that point is people don't even think about the last 12 picks of the first round and all the shuffle that could happen right there. I mean, you think about guys like Lamar Jackson and. You know, guys like that, you know, where teams are willing to take a risk, maybe trade back because they feel comfortable with a guy who's not, you know, valued as high or what, whatever it may be, I, I definitely think there will be over four and a half uh,
0: trades in the first round. Um, yeah, and also, too, like, you know, teams who made the playoffs like last year, like the Ravens, for example, the Ravens will say, shoot, well, I'll take a second and a third in this draft and a first and next exactly. year's draft, you know, so... Yeah. There's a lot of teams, especially at the end of the first
1: round, that are you know they're looking at value. They're not necessarily looking at the guy that they want. I mean, I'm sure some teams have that guy, but you know, guys like Bill Belichick, you know these these franchises that are extremely well run, like you mentioned, the Steelers, the Mm -hmm. Packers, those kind of teams look at value. So.
0: Yeah, and even there's a lot of these teams too that are back here in the first round, you know, that gave up picks to get trade up and get quarterbacks in the past or that gave up picks in the past to trade up and move up to get people and now they're looking to get those picks back, you know, so that's more that's a lot of what can happen too here in this spot. Um, what's your last uh thing you think will happen in the first round? Yeah, so uh you
1: just set a line, I'll set another one. I think there will be less than one and a half running backs taken in the first round. Okay. Um, I think DeAndre Swift is the only one I think he's the guy he's the he's the prototype for the for today's NFL he can catch the ball he's quick out of the backfield and he's he can take some hits Um, he's not a huge guy but he's kind he kind of reminds me of a guy like Alvin Kamara so I I really think he will fit in well with whatever team tries to uh, you know take a chance on him but we keep seeing, you know, running backs are just not valued high because their sh- shelf life is so short and limited. And, you know, their snap count is so focused on in the NFL. So, I-, I really think that running backs, you know, it's it's becoming a quantity over quality at this point in the NFL.
0: No, I agree with you completely. I just think that there's so many good running backs. like. Cam Akers, Zach Moss, you know, who aren't even – I mean, Zach Moss was an absolute freak out at at, uh, Utah, and he's not even – like, he's not even getting any publicity whatsoever for this. I mean, you'll watch him go on the third day of the draft and him be one of the better running backs out of this rookie class. You know, like, there's so many running backs in this draft class, I just don't see any reason either, just like you do, to take one in the first round. So, I mean, I think Swift will be the first running back off the board at the end of the day. So, we'll see what happens there. Um For the last part of our podcast, here's kind of a quick one. Um, I have requested everyone on Instagram give me some topics to talk about. So we're here to answer all of them. So the first one is from A. Murphs on Twitter. Shout out, I mean, on Instagram. Shout out Alex Murphy. And he wants poker strategy, which I assume is him making fun of me for last Friday. But. The biggest poker strategy to me, and I know most of the people that are over here playing aren't going to listen, so I'm going to give away what my strategy was. Just be extremely aggressive and see who actually will bluff or will only go in on stuff when that they are when that they actually have a hand so you can figure out everyone's tells and then the next time you play with them, absolutely wreck them. Let them get their confidence up a little bit, but figure out what their tells are and you can read them like a book. Like There's a couple people that are over here playing and they would fold every single time I raised if they didn't have anything, so that's how you tell pretty quickly who has what. Uh, anything you want to chime in on poker strategy
1: Yeah just start cracking jokes and see who laughs if they laugh they're bluffing cuz anyone who's uh, about that action has a real hand they're they're going to be focused
0: That is a other go See that's exactly you got to figure out who's you got to figure out people's tells as easily as you can cuz I mean you know half of them aren't uh, the next one is from Spencer Maycock32, and he says Michigan State. So I will say this. is that If I were you as a Michigan State fan, I would be very disappointed with March Madness getting canceled because that might be the only time you all have a, have to uh, win a championship in any college sport for a while because that football program is not looking too hot with Mel Tucker taking over.
1: Yeah, I was going to say don't hold your breath with the football team. That's a rough situation. I mean, I love Mel as a defensive coordinator, but – uh, there were better guys to choose from, and that program is more or less in shambles with the current state of.
0: Well, I don't think anybody wanted the position at that point. I think yeah. they paid Mel a pretty good bit more than he was making at Colorado. But I mean, if I was him, I don't fortunately, know why he left. unfortunately, fortunately for Mel, he's probably going to be the defensive coordinator, or the head coach for some like Max School in two years. So I thought he had a kind
1: of a good thing over there in Boulder. I mean, uh, the Pac-12 is. A relatively easy conference for being mm-hmm. a power five conference and you know you have pretty good pull out of the on the west coast so if you think about it yeah you're you're heavily going in recruiting you're going up against guys like usc mm-hmm. ucla oregon washington but in the big 10 with michigan state who i mean It's going to be hard to recruit at this point.
0: Yeah, because I mean, if you think about it, Michigan doesn't even have a great like pool of kids to pull from for football. But you're already going to lose most of them to Hardball. Then all the Ohio kids, for the most part, want Ohio State, and then they're going to go to Michigan. And then you know, you're just getting. I feel like you're now
1: Minnesota with PJ Fleck. Yeah,
0: you're really just getting the three stars and the two stars and whoever. I mean, the thing is, D'Antonio was good at plucking the ones that actually trained, like Le'Veon Bell, three star. You know, like D'Antonio was good at pulling the guys out of there that actually turned into something but it's, it's going to be a tough road for Mel for sure. Um, next one comes from Will Tootin16 and this is actually a great question. He said effective shortened or cancelled seasons on one year contracts like Mookie or Hamels and that applies to all sports. What do you think about that one?
1: Yeah, so I definitely think it's got to have some kind of effect um, especially in baseball that's why I'm glad he he brought that up. Um, you know, It's going to it's going to hurt these teams because you know they're paying these guys for the season not only to bolster their club but also for I mean to sell tickets. I mean, so there's a lot there's a lot of like angles that are going to be affected, especially on one-year deals, you're not going to get the value you
0: put into these guys. So, it's it's definitely going to be interesting to see. Um, I think it actually hurts the players more than the clubs just because, you know, like, you're going to be thrown into something that you're not used to as much as people, like, even that I didn't believe into it as much, but, I mean, everything, especially in sports, is all about repetition. These guys are going to be thrown into something where some sort of situation where they're going to be playing in like some unfamiliar situation, which is not quite what you want when you're betting on yourself and getting a one-year deal. So, I mean, it could benefit them, but at the same time, it could, if they come out, you know, just extremely hot and it's an 80-game season, it might take you 80 games to cool off, you know, but at the same time, you could come out cold and you might not ever turn it on at all. So, I definitely think it's a weird dynamic and one that we really need to watch out for, Um Our next question, or it's a two-part question, comes from Aria712, and he wanted the top five worst trades in the NBA of the last decade, so I put together a list, and I had six, so I guess my tie for five here is the Pacers on draft night traded Kawhi Leonard to the Spurs for George Hill, which, I mean, looking back on it, the Spurs were in a win-now situation, and they did win NBA Finals with George Hill, but... I mean, or the, the Spurs, ugh, what am I saying? The Spurs had won NBA Finals and the Pacers did have success getting the first overall seed multiple times over the Heat with uh, George Hill, but it realistically, Kawhi Leonard won championships and turned into a superstar, so I'd say the Pacers lost that one. Um, my next one is the Magic trading the draft rights of DeMontis Sabonis and Victor Oladipo to the Oklahoma City Thunder for Serge Ibaka. And honestly, I think this is slept on as one of the worst trades of the entire decade. I wow! Mean, yeah, yeah. The Magic already had Victor. Are Magic already had Aaron Gordon and Vucevic? Not to mention other rotational big men like Bismack Biombo, And they still went out and reco- so basically they had four power forward slash centers on their team and traded their only decent guard and a future All Star big man as well. And also, it's honestly kind of funny how Sabonis and Oladipo stuck together through Oklahoma City and Orlando to get all the way to indiana together
1: dude yeah they really came up too i mean i remember when sabonis came up through the draft and everything all the talk was about his dad it wasn't even about him and now he's an all-star so i mean you got you (laughs) gotta you gotta look at that one pretty critically
0: yeah, honestly, that's a swept under the table, low key, just horrible trade. And if you think about it too, from a Magic standpoint, you basically turned Oladipo and Sabonis into Terrence Ross.
1: <laughs> <laughs> just let yes. that
0: just let that set in for a second. Um, anyway. Uh, coming in at our number four, I have Isaiah Thomas being and Jay Crowder being traded from the Celtics to the Cavaliers for Kyrie Irving. The Cavaliers, this is probably, this was, is this was honestly the beginning of the end for LeBron in Cleveland. I mean, you traded Kyrie Irving for pretty much nothing. Because then they traded Isaiah Thomas for like Jordan Clarkson and Larry Nance. And then I don't even remember what they shipped Jay Crowder out for. But basically traded Kyrie Irving for Jay Crowder, Larry Nance, and Jordan Clarkson.
1: Yeah, that was a terrible trade for sure Um, you know I think I think LeBron's in a pretty good place now though so
0: yeah and more so the Cavs than LeBron lost out by the way I would have rather traded Kyrie Irving for Dennis Schroeder than that trade just saying well Um, I mean
1: yeah obviously but still would have been an awful trade yeah and even (laughs) at the
0: time Isaiah Thomas was out for like a certain amount of time with the the hip injury he wasn't even scheduled to start the season he was just
1: as soon as the Celtics traded him he was not the same guy yeah
0: Kobe Altman what are you doing bro Um, Number three, I have Allen Iverson being traded from the um, Nuggets for Chauncey Billups with the Pistons. Um, I don't... I mean, do you even remember Iverson in in a Pistons jersey?
1: No. He (laughs) didn't
0: even play 40 games in a season with them. So Yeah. So, I mean, Iverson did nothing with the Pistons. Next, he went to Memphis, then he went back to the 76ers, and then he was out of the league. But... I mean, when you're a small guard whose entire game is based off your quickness and making separation you tear your Achilles, I mean, kind of doesn't really happen for you anymore. Yeah. Um, number two, I have the Thunder trading James Harden to the Rockets. Um, the Rockets gave up Kevin Martin, Jeremy Lamb, and a package of picks that pretty much turned into Steven Adams. I mean, first off, this is to me is a a horrible trade because one, I mean, only one of those players is still with them, Steven Adams, and none of those guys were all-stars like Harden. But number two, imagine if they kept KD and Harden together instead of Westbrook and Harden. They'd probably still have KD and Harden now, and and they probably would have won three or four NBA titles with those guys because, I mean, I think they would have been better. The Warriors probably would have never happened because the Warriors barely beat them when they had Westbrook and KD. Imagine if they had Harden and KD.
1: Yeah, and I mean, that's a good point. Uh, I'm a Russ stand, but I mean, it's hard to say that James Harden and KD wouldn't have been better. Because, I mean, I think it's pretty obvious they would. You have two shooters on the floor like that, it's... Oh, that would have been scary. But you also have to think, like, James Harden wasn't the James Harden we no not all at all. know today. Even though, I mean... He was still a monster off the bench, like he was still coming off the bench, dude. And now he's a, now he's an MVP winner. So I mean, that yeah, it's a bad trade. In hindsight, mm-hmm. but at the time, like I don't think it was a terrible trade, especially since it was a guy that didn't even start for them.
0: Yeah, but I remember his first season, he made the All-Star team and everything. He scored 40 in his first two games there. The first one was on the Knicks, the second one was on the Hawks. A little funny fact for you right there. <laughs> um, last one, this is honestly the worst trade in NBA history. The Celtics and the Nets. The Nets. The Nets received Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce, and Jason Terry, mind you. All these guys are in like their late. Th- these guys are at like the tail end of their career. For three first round picks and six players and two pick swaps. And I mean, the Nets literally basically traded everything they possibly could. Like the, literally everything the NBA allowed them to send in a trade, they sent to get these guys. And best they could net was getting knocked out in the second round by the Heat. So. They literally cashed in their entire next five years in
1: order to go to the playoffs one year. Yeah, (laughs) and it was pathetic.
0: They kind of didn't have a choice at the same time, though, because they had already given up the farm system as well to get Joe Johnson from the Hawks, and they had already done it, too, to get Gerald Wallace and Darren Williams, but... Then again, at the same. Like, honestly, I'm shocked the Nets bounced back this quick. They got lucky yeah. with that d trade. The Lakers gave them a gift in that one, and they really said that one. And, I mean, Dinwiddie. I mean, honestly, the Nets had, like, a great player development and great at, like, looking at young players to develop, but they did a horrible job of, like, trading for those veteran players, which is, I mean, beyond belief. Um... Next part of his question is the top five worst GMs in the NBA. So this was a little harder to do just because a lot of the guys who suck have gotten laid off. But number one, I put Scott Perry for the Knicks. And I honestly think that he's the worst just because, I mean, realistically, he didn't get anything in return for that uh, Porzingis deal. I mean, he was able to to give up or he was able to get rid of... um, Tim Hardaway Jr.'s fat contract, but at the end of the day, I mean, he really was not able to get anything back on the Knicks, and I just honestly feel bad for him that he's stuck with James Dolan and is probably never going to be able to do anything.
1: Yeah, I mean, he James Dolan is the curse of New York City. I mean, it's it's tough to watch. I don't really know how any GM can, you know, I mean, it's hard to be in a huge market and you can't draw any free agents. So, I mean, and that's not the GM's fault, that's James Dolan's fault. So. Yeah, it's
0: more, it's not as necessary that he's that bad, I just feel bad for him, but I mean, the fact they had to run off Porzingis and couldn't yeah. really get anything back was, for him, that bad. Yeah, that's horrible to me. They got Dennis Smith Jr. in a first round pick, so... And two, I think two future first round picks, but you know how they do it. They have to separate them and everything. Number two, I have the Magic's John Hammond because he made that trade that I was talking about earlier with the Ibaka. And on top of that, if you look at his draft picks, I mean, he already has um, he already has multiple big men and he goes out and gets like Mo Bamba and then he gets Isaac Okoro, Acor- or not Isaac Okoro, um, the guy who tore his ACL last year for Auburn. He plays power forward as well. Like, um, all they keep on doing over and over and over again is just getting big man after big man after big man. He did do a good job of the Markel Fultz trade, but realistically, it, you don't win in the NBA nowadays with sinners, and all he keeps doing is stockpiling sinners. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's pretty hard to argue in his favor. Um, number three, I have James Jones for the Suns, and the main reason I have him at number three, one, because he could have had D'Angelo Russell, but he didn't want him because he said he's immature. Now, don't get me wrong. D'Angelo Russell isn't exactly the greatest player, even though he's one of my favorite players, but Devin Booker and him are boys, and Devin Booker's going to leave your ass when he's a free agent in the next couple of years, and you got to do everything you can to keep him around. How are you not going to make your star player happy? And then on top of that... I mean, DeAndre Ayton's showing lots of signs. He's a good player and all, but you could have Luka Doncic or Trey Young over him who would have played amazing next to Booker, and realistically, that's the Sun's main problem is having another go-to scorer, so that's the main reason why I have Jones here at three. You know, I think DeAndre Ayton's going to be a great
1: NBA player, but it never made sense to me why he was the number one pick in the draft. I mean, mean, we can see now Luka and Trey are you know, basically the future of the NBA. So, Mm -hmm. and no one's saying DeAndre Ayton is the future of the NBA. And, I mean, I just feel like we've been sitting here watching the Suns be worse than average for years and years after they keep getting all these top picks. So, I mean, you see so many teams that get a, a top pick, and they make so much out of it. And the Suns have done it year after year and gotten nothing.
0: Yeah, it's just like the NFL draft, though. Like, you see these Suns take the guy like Marquise Chris. Oh, he shows up at the combine. He's 6'11". He has yeah. a 40-inch wingspan. He can dunk. He can shoot threes. Dragon Bender, the exact same thing. Oh Where are God. those guys now? Like, you know what I mean? Like, you just can't keep doing that. you got to take stuff that you see in college. That's how I feel about Justin Herbert. Like, Justin Herbert, like, oh, he's 6'5". He runs a more they like... Take two, trust me. Anyway, (laughs) number four, I have Elton Brand here, and I have him here because he refuses to make the decision between who he wants to choose of Embiid or Ben Simmons. I have him for that reason. And why in the hell did he assign Al Horford as a free agent? (laughs) That one will never make any sense to me. It was literally like, oh, we lost all these guys. Who's the best available free agent? Al Horford. No, that's uh, 100%. I agree. It's... It's almost like the 76ers' plan
1: is just to get as the most talent as they possibly can. And, you know, the fit, the you know the the roles on the team, none of that matters. It's just like, okay, who's a good player? Going to go get him? Going to go get him? Yeah.
0: And it's just a, cl- it's a cluster, and it's hard to watch. Or like, oh, the Celtics need a center. Let's go get him so the Celtics can't have, like... It makes no sense. The 76ers roster really makes no sense to me. I mean, the Jimmy Jim or them trading for Markel Foltz is the beginning of their problems because they shouldn't have gone they should have gone all in originally on Jimmy Butler instead of Foltz and they would have plenty of pieces left. But I mean, Elton Brand has to make the choice. This offseason, I think he has to make the choice. And so you know he's gonna drag it out though because they couldn't play the postseason. But So who's the guy? That they're gonna trade? Who who do you think? Who would I trade? I would trade Embiid. Wow. I'll keep Ben Simmons. I'll trade Embiid to get another guard. Look, I know that Embiid's probably the better player right now, but you don't win in the NBA now as centers. No, None of these teams are out here winning the championship with a top center on their team. It's all the teams that have like power forward shooting guards. Honestly... I would crazy call me crazy. I would try to play lineups so where I can put Ben Simmons as my center or power forward, but have him move the ball as the point guard. So on defense, he's ma- He can match up with those guys on defenses. And like, look at the Warriors when Draymond Green gets the rebound and moves the ball down the floor, and he has those shooters. That's when he's at the best. If you surround Ben Simmons with shooters like Giannis, I think you have something there. So you're
1: saying that uh,
0: Ben Simmons is easier to build a team around. No, I think I think that Ben I think that you can build the same team around both those guys, but I think at the end of the day the better team would be with Ben Simmons than Embiid. I think those centers like that I think there'll be teams that'll be able to use lineups in the finals and stuff that can take Embiid off the floor and you can have your best player off the floor in the biggest moments.
1: Yeah, I think you basically need at least like three knockdown spot up shooters mm-hmm. for Ben Simmons to take the Sixers to a championship level team. I mean you think about LeBron, who's very similar to Ben Simmons except Ben I mean LeBron is much stronger and he can actually shoot the ball. Mm-hmm. Okay, so imagine that but he just Ben Simmons is just running around the floor like literally looking for someone to pass it to but no one can shoot. So it's like hard to watch and yeah, you would need a multitude of quality shooters. To pair with Ben Simmons like LeBron needs shooters but he doesn't need nearly as much as Ben Simmons needs so. yeah I
0: don't know what the exact trade would be but imagine Ben Simmons with you can get more for Embiid too yeah you could like imagine Ben Simmons with uh t- with a lottery protect with a lottery projected pick and then another an all on borderline all-star shooter and then Tobias Harris and Josh Richardson that's a squad right there yeah that's a squad. So if I'm the 76ers, that's more so the way like they have the perfect small ball lineup because you can play Simmons and Harris and as your as your power forward and center in a small ball lineup. So that's perfect right there, if you ask me. Number five now, and we forgot they still have Horford. There you go. You have your center even. Like why why I don't understand why he hadn't done the trade already. Number five here, I uh, have John Horst, the Bucks GM. I mean, he's done a decent job for being out in Milwaukee, but my number one beef will always be the fact that he even paid Eric Bledsoe that contract. I would use Giannis just like LeBron. You get him four other shooters and him. And Brogdon is the perfect guy because Brogdon can spot up and shoot threes, but he also can move the ball and run your offense as a point guard, and he plays defense. Letting Brogdon walk and keeping Bledsoe on that roster to me is ridiculous. I would have traded traded Bledsoe in two first-round picks if that's what it took for any team to take on his contract and keep Malcolm Brogdon this last offseason.
1: Yeah, Bledsoe definitely like just gets in the way on that team a lot. Like, it's just... <laughs> You can see Giannis, like, I mean, he takes up so much real estate, but you can see it. It's almost like he's telling Eric Bledsoe, just get out of the way, dude. Like, But I will say, I agree 100% with Brogdon. Um, he's basically a poor man's Clay Thompson. Uh, so, you know, it's I would much rather have Brogdon than <laughs> Bledsoe, and you could really, you know, get another basically role player point guard to come in and... Brogdon can pretty much take over, so... Yeah,
0: I can't find Bledsoe's playoff stats, which is what I was trying to find for y'all. Actually, when the Bucks played their best, though, was when Bledsoe actually showed up and played well. But the thing is, in the playoffs last year, like, he wasn't even on the floor for them. And you're paying decent money, too, to George Hill. Like, you have two other options right there at point guard with Brogdon and with George Hill. You don't need Bledsoe. I would have got rid of him. And he's making, like, over $20 million a year to play for them. So... I mean, that was a horrible contract to me, but that's my top five worst GMs in the NBA. It's kind of hard to put that list together, though, because a lot of these guys have been shipped off and whatnot. But those are the main reasons I think those guys end up getting fired. Our last question comes from Austin Pack underscore, and his question is, Disney telling Dana White he can't have the fight on the island and shut down the UFC. He just kind of wants to know our opinion on that. Honestly, I think it's complete BS. Disney is trying to literally just make us as miserable as possible. I mean, Dana White is I love Dana White, honestly. He's the absolute man. Dana White knows that we're all out here struggling. He's trying to give us something. I mean, he literally set everything up as best as he can, and it's literally because Disney doesn't want him to. is why he's not doing it. I mean, like, we're all dying here. We need something, and this is what they do to us.
1: I mean, the powers that be got the say, man, and mm-hmm. it's just the way it is. Uh, I would imagine Disney's just not comfortable with the PR that mm-hmm. it, they would receive, you know, especially with just the way the world is right now. It's just, it's tough for a big company to make a move like that and, Disney would be the ones receiving all the lash back, not Dana White, because Dana White's the guy that is you know out here for the people. He's always been that guy that's mm-hmm. out here for the fan. He's not he's not out here for corporate anything. And For the longest time, that's how the UFC was ran. But ever since that, I mean, ever since they hopped on with ESPN, yeah. now it's a different story, and that's the price they pay.
0: Yeah, I bet he's really regretting signing that contract right now, because, I mean, imagine if he wasn't with ESPN, what he could be doing for us right now, but... Yeah, you know, I've got to give it to Dana White, man. I know you're not going to listen to this, Dana White, but you're the absolute man for trying to make this happen for us. We all appreciate it. But yeah, Disney definitely do not want to take that. I mean, look at the backlash Dak Prescott's getting for having <laughs> 10 people over to his house for his birthday. I mean, imagine what they would give ESPN and Disney. But also imagine the amount of money they'd make off it at the same time. I mean, yeah. shoot, I'm definitely ordering that fight. Yeah. yeah. Imagine so. how
1: much Vegas would make off of it.
0: <laughs> Jeez, that would be a great fight, but... Kyle, I appreciate you coming on once again.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me on, man. It's fun.
0: Oh, yeah. It's a fun one, guys. I appreciate everybody who sent in those questions for us, and we appreciate everyone who tuned in for this tough time. We're trying to just you know give you all some normalcy and everything, but we're going to have a great podcast next week for the NFL draft. we have lots of different podcasts breaking down lots of different things, but we'll see you all then. Peace.